Hey everyone, it's Zanira here. CEO School is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. We are part of a family of shows designed to help professionals listen, learn, and grow by providing access to the world's leading B2B podcasts like Being Boss, hosted by Emily Thompson. Being Boss is an exploration of not only what it means, but what it takes to be boss as a creative business owner, freelancer, or side hustler. I recently enjoyed listening to Emily share her five top tactics for achieving a good work-life flow, whatever that looks like for you. Listen to Being Boss wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Sanira Madani, and I'm a mom of two, a daughter of an immigrant and an unlikely entrepreneur who went from scaling an idea to a billion-dollar business. Yes, a billion-dollar business. Along the way, I learned that less than 2% of female founders ever hit 1 million in revenue, and I became obsessed on a mission to change that. I believe that there is so much gatekeeping in business knowledge and that we as female entrepreneurs should be learning from other female founders and leaders who have broken the statistics. Since I never went to CEO school, I've had to learn it all the hard way, but you shouldn't have to because we believe that you deserve to have it all. And honestly, nothing bad happens when women make more money. Grab a seat because class is officially in session. Welcome to CEO School. Hello, everyone, and welcome to CEO School. I'm your host, Sanira Madani, and today I have a treat for you, a very sweet treat. I have Diana Gerard, who is the founder and CEO of an inspirational brand called Magic Dates. And when you hear her story, you're going to hear why it is so absolutely inspirational. And personally, I just love the product. And if you haven't heard of Magic Dates, you should turn on your TV and tune in to one of the latest episodes of Shark Tank. Diana got to pitch Shark Tank this last year in 2022. And this product is just so incredible. With flavors as rich as the culture and history it's derived from, Magic Dates is her way of reconnecting with her family's heritage and sharing it with the world. Having grown up in Syria, Diana is no stranger to dates and ancient Middle Eastern fruit. Stemming from her intimate connection with the refugee experience, Diana and Magic Dates are proud partners of the Karam Foundation, a nonprofit based in Chicago. Karam means generosity in Arabic, and their work is nothing less. With the help of Karam, Magic Dates is committed to supporting those most impacted by the Syrian civil war, especially the youth. Diana currently lives in LA and enjoys celebrating her Middle Eastern roots through dinner parties and tastings with Magic Date's newest date flight. Diana, welcome to CEO School. That was a beautiful introduction. I've never heard it said better. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) I think we're on episode like 250 now at this point, but the amount of like I feel interviews I've done, I think you get better with practice. But I also just love I love your story. I'm so excited for today's episode. And I'm especially excited because, ironically, actually, the audience won't get to hear it today, but today is actually Giving Tuesday. And, uh, you know, Giving Tuesday is a day, you know, that we have in America that we are, we use this day to uh, give our time, our dollars, our resources to support nonprofits that we all want to support and love and don't necessarily need a day uh, to make an impact. However, it is a good reminder on Giving Tuesday to kind of take the time aside to see, you know, who we're supporting, how we're supporting. And we're just so fortunate with so much in today's world. 
And um, that's how the world goes around is we have to give back uh, to others. And so today is Giving Tuesday. And I'm just also just really excited uh, to have you not only to hear about your story of the company, which we're going to get into. I want to learn everything about Shark Tank because that is totes really cool. And I don't know why I just said totes, but it's end of day. And lastly, I also want to talk about the giving component and the impact component. So Diana, lots to talk about. We've got 30 minutes of a power hour. Tell us your story. How did you find Magic Dates? I talk fast, so let's go. I'll get let's a lot done in 30 minutes. <laughs> um, so Magic Dates was truly born out of my, my heart. It was not um, a venture where I wanted to come in and like, you know, just, you know, make money or it, that, that was never it. It was just really something truly that I that I was connected to. And I got to the point of wanting to be in the food space also serendipitously. So it all just felt very... Um, organic and, and synchronized in a way that I couldn't have planned. But, you know, when you're paying attention and listening and just really tuning into what it is that you're, I think, meant, you know, meant to do, um, a lot of beautiful things show up. So for me, I've, my background is marketing. I studied marketing and then I started doing a bunch of things. And a lot of them were within the food space. Like I started a catering company at some point and also started private chefing because food was just always such a big part of my life. And I loved cooking. And it's funny being Middle Eastern, I definitely had a little bit of this like resistance to it because there's definitely that like domesticated um, ideology around cooking and women in the Middle East. Yet I just loved eating and I love making food and love sharing with other people. So I had this like battle happening internally. And I quickly realized it wasn't just being in the kitchen that I wanted, you know, to explore it was beyond that. And I was at a cross pass in my life in 2016 where I wanted to go to law school. I had taken my LSAT and I wanted to study international human rights law. I just felt like I really needed to contribute to the world. You know, I'm Syrian and Palestinian, so I'm no stranger to um, the arduous path that one has to take to get to where they're at. Not only through my story, but really just through my culture and like people that I know directly or indirectly and, and just the environment that I grew up in. And so I wanted to go to international human rights law school. And at the same time, I had a friend approach me. He was working with this company and they wanted to um, develop a vegan recipe for one of their products because their product was not plant-based as it was. And he just knew that I was a recipe developer and I was comfortable in that space. And he asked if I could help them with that. And it was just that little taste that I had in the food space that made me just fall in love and realize that I can have this kind of cerebral, like critical thinking, strategizing part of my brain and my creative brain kind of merge. And he asked me if I would want to start a company together. And that's where Magic Dates was born before it was even called Magic Dates. And I am a solopreneur now. Well, actually, I was up until recently because I do have a partner now, but we'll talk about that <laughs> later okay. it's related to Shark Tank. <laughs> I love it. So, so then that's, that, that's, that's the how that was the start of it. And then you started this company with a partner. And tell us about like the growth of Magic Dates from obviously starting. So you had some you had background in marketing. You understood how to do like food and recipe mixology or uh, ingredient um, re like recipe creation. You use that. You helped a friend. Had this crazy concept. But we all know that ideas don't make you an entrepreneur, execution does. So how did you execute upon this idea and take it from what was happening in the kitchen to Shark Tank? Yes. Yeah, so I'm a truly grassroots entrepreneur because I did not have experience in this prior to starting Magic Dates. And so 
I was learning throughout the process. So I have. Uh, I'm going to pause you. Did you ladies hear this? I did not have prior. None of us do. I think that's like the biggest myth is that you have to have this perfect pedigree and background. And there's so many entrepreneurs that listen, like that ask the same questions of, but I'm just getting started. I'm just getting, everyone has to take the first step. So I just want to, I didn't mean to pause you right there, but you didn't have the experience, but you figured it out. Yes. And, and I'll tell you that, I mean, that might play, I think for a long time, that probably did play against us as women, because if you're pitching to angel investors or VCs or whatever it might be, and they look at you, especially as a female solopreneur, there are things that they're looking at there that they won't even verbalize. But like, I'm in the reproductive age now, I am married. And so clearly, that's a path I'm going to take at some point. And like, a man won't tell you, I'm not going to invest in you because you're going to get pregnant and you're going to, you know, your business is going to go to shit, basically. But that's happening in the back of their mind. And then I heard it in so many different ways from people who wanted to give me honest and candid feedback. And it just really hit me that like, wow, damn, there's so many things working against us as female entrepreneurs that we're not even aware of because they'll never really be verbalized in that way. We just know it. Like we just we just know that that's what it is. So a bit of a side, you know, track. And thank you for kind of highlighting that. Um, at the end of the day, you'll find people who resonate with you. And there are more of us in this industry. And there are more female investors as well that will give you the chance if they believe in you. So, you know, don't worry about all that. <laughs> just do I it. Just do it. whatever it is that you're called to do. This is the same advice, literally, even the last, like every single podcast that we record, it's like the same piece. Like it is just harder for us. We, and it, it, it is because it is a man's world. Like that is what it is. And there isn't, um, there is a lot of biasness. We've all gone through it. But I think the biggest advice that almost every successful female entrepreneur gives is just to keep going, like just cancel out the noise. If it's not you, it's the next one. It's the next one. It's the next one. And that resiliency is really, really crucial. Yeah. And, you know, just have the people around you and the structures and the rituals around you that you need to, that will help you keep grounded and kind of help you keep going because it needs to come from, from your inside, from, you know, internally, it can't be external validation because that'll get really, really, you know, just a wane at some point. So it has to be something intrinsic. And where were we? So you were, you <laughs> we were, were talking really cool about, no, no, it's mm-hmm. perfect. So you were talking about creating, we're talking about going from the idea to that execution component and to what, how, how did you get from that idea point to Shark Tank? So it was the, the middle rows, the, the, the good stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, just speaking to the point that I just didn't have any experience in this prior, people come on your path. I think that support you. So it was interesting. Um, I was talking about this idea with my partner at the time. So this is like 2016 and we were at a coffee shop here in Brentwood in LA. And I said something along the were, you know, I said something like innovation and like, we need to be innovative in the food space, something along those lines. And then that caught the attention of a person that was there at the coffee shop. And he just started chatting me up. And it turns out he was like an innovative consultant. So long story short, he became my first mentor. And he took me down the path of something called consumer journey mapping, where I started just doing my research. So he's like, before you even ideate, the most important thing is for you to really learn who your customer is. Yep if this is even something that's necessary in the market, like why, why are you creating this? Who are you creating it for? Um, and then you go from there. So that was, you know, brand new information to me, maybe not to others, but to me it was. And even to this day, I feel like a lot of people want to create something just because they're excited about it or interested or they think it'll do well. It's really important to back that up with real data and insight and um, just speaking to people about it. I agree with you. It's the first module in CO school. 
It's like knowing your like ideal customer. And I don't care how many times I still go through that exercise. Every time we launch a new product, a new offer, a new anything, it's like you have to go back to the drawing board. So it's never like, I think like the biggest nuggets of information are still the old ones that you just have to keep in practice of like reusing. So that's amazing advice. You, sh- you have to know your customer. So true. So you got to know yeah, your customer. So true. Yeah. And, and that ties into marketing. I love that you said that because I think we get really excited about all these new tools like social media and TikTok and all these new things that come up. But like human psychology and human behavior doesn't really change. It's just that the medium and the tools change. So you just have to kind of stay yes. focused on those like basics. So that totally kind of goes into what you just said about keeping it simple and going back to those basic fundamental, uh, you know, rules of business. So how did you get it into production and how did scale happen, right? So can you tell us a little bit? So Magic Dates is a actual, if you want to just talk about the product itself, where can we find it? What makes it different? And then how did you actually scale from a manufacturing component to getting distribution? Uh, One thing that we love here at CO School is not just the inspiration, but I'm sure there's many women that either have a consumer packaged goods company or want to have a, a, a um, an actual physical product, whether it be food or not, but just scaling that in distribution and manufacturing. So I'd love for you to take us a little bit um, deeper uh, in your CEO behind the scenes. Yeah. So continuing along that same um, you know, thought process and energy of really just getting more market insights and research, I started the farmer's market and that was just a great way for me to in real time Get that, get that data. I know people get excited about like blowing things up, you know, quickly, whatever it might be, whatever product that might be. And I probably had that mentality a little bit too at the time because I just wanted to get to the next step and I'll can probably share more what's expensive. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. We have a saying here at CO school and we say, show up until you blow up. Like (laughs) you, you can't just blow up. Like you have to show up. Right. And people forget that. People just expect it to be from here to, oh, it's a million dollar business, a billion dollar business. Oh, I'm featured here. I'm doing like, no, you have to show up. You have to show up like Diana did at the farmer's market before you get a contract with Whole Foods. Right. Like you have to go through the journey. You have to show up until you blow up. Um, And that's what you did. You started at the farmer's market. I just love I love this. Sorry, I'm getting excited. No, I love that because like the journey changes you. So that's the thing. Like the reason you keep showing up because you keep getting knocked down and you actually have to keep getting up a lot more times than you think you do. Like at some point you think that's the end and it could be for a lot of people. And that's why like 90% of food businesses fail or something because the truth is you do not get knocked down a lot. And I think there were so many opportunities for me to have done that. But there was just something, again, for me, this is a, there's, this is a mission. For me, it's about using dates as a symbol of cultural connection. It's beyond the product. Just speaking to the product for a minute, just so I can explain yeah. what, what it is that we do. Um, we wanted to spotlight dates. So we're called Magic Dates. We wanted to use dates as the hero ingredient and have it be front and center because of its nutritional powerhouse. And it's just deep resonance and history in the Middle East. And I think because of its journey, you know, the date made it here to Los Angeles and to the United States a little over a hundred years ago, vis-a-vis a a cultural explorer. So I just love also that journey of like the immigrants and it resonates with how the date palm got here. And I love that. Um, But yeah, there's just, there's a whole process to it, but with our product, it's plant-based, it's gluten-free, no added sugar. So one of our biggest values is it being no added sugar, no sugar alcohol. So it's going to be gut friendly. It's fiber rich, whole ingredients. Your body will love it. And 
just after the farmer's market, the process for us was really just getting to the like, first 30 doors. I started door knocking. I mean, this oh. truly was a pounding the pavement. <laughs> I love me. it. And I was going to those first juice bars, yoga studios. Um, one of our very first accounts was actually the coffee shop that like I would go to myself every morning and get my tea and coffee from. So really like start small and think big, like start small. It's in your community. Where do you live? I happen to live in LA. So it's really the ideal place for something like this to really incubate a better for you food brand. At the same time, it's very competitive here. So very quickly you find out whether or not people are resonating with your idea because there's so much other competition. I feel like you're speaking my language. I mean, literally, so the, the unique value proposition for your product and what makes it different, it's kind of like it's not just the – it's the story also that goes with it, right? I mean, there are other date companies. I'm sure that they're also – I mean, dates are naturally – I eat dates um, just naturally in our diet as I'm Pakistani and we just have dates in, in like, you know – in our in our diet already. I would say so you have this unique value prop but it's also the storytelling of the product itself. Like you went through that journey. How did you get that storytelling to go land? So you were literally going door knocking, getting this product into the hands of everybody that you can get it into. And it wasn't just about like the healthy date. It was a story behind it. And your story was powerful enough and I really do want to understand how how did how did the shark tank happen and and how, what was that experience like in that storytelling of your business? So this is where the juiciness starts, okay? <laughs> because Ooh, okay, our storytelling <laughs> was an evolution. And I swear we are a case study in branding and storytelling of before and after. What happens when you don't tell your story? What happens when you do tell your story? And things happened very quickly. The shift happened. Just the delta was just incredible. So even though I launched the product with that intention in 2017 at the farmer's market, you know, brick and mortar, um, local stores, all that, I, I truly wasn't actually getting to the heart, to the heart of the story. So even if you look at our packaging, I don't know if you had a chance to check out what our look was like even a year ago, just exactly a year ago, we can, we rebranded. So I talk about magic dates being 1.0 and then 2.0 in the 1.0 version, I was going for that minimalist, you know, clean. Just whatever it was that was really trending at the time. Right, you're going for like a vegan look. Yeah, LA vegan look. Like you just look and (laughs) totally. And it was also just a stylistic choice at the time that was trending. And so we just went with it. And I was genuinely afraid to share everything that I was. Just, you know, I could say that truthfully now because I'm comfortable, you know, talking about this, but just talking about who I am, being Syrian, being Palestinian, I felt like nobody would buy my product. And obviously, it's the American market that's my target. I just felt like, who's this going to resonate to? or with, and that nobody would buy my product. So I just had this state of mind and this mindset for so many years. And I felt so out of line and just like not really aligned with what I truly set out to do to begin with. And then I just had this like evolution really around 2020. It That's why I say the process changes you, like showing up changes you. And it did. It really, it truly changed me, not only through my business, but on a personal level as well, where I just saw, I think it was during the the um, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, actually. I just, I mean, saw people showing up and they were so brave to speak their truth and who they are. And that really inspired me. And I'm like, I can't even say who I am and like where I'm from with this business. Like, what am I even doing? How how cowardly can one be? <laughs> so that's just really what made me and like propelled me to be more brave and courageous to share the story. And the rebrand actually was born from that. I love um, that. And so, yeah, and that's, and it was my fourth time applying to Shark Tank and they did not even blink an eye the first three times. And it wasn't until... I completely just let loose and was myself during our audition tape that I finally got that call and moved through the process. When was the last time you heard someone say, it's almost too easy when talking about a piece of tech? 
Probably never, right? Because tech usually isn't easy. Tech is usually too complicated, too busy, and too frustrating when it should honestly be plain and easy. HubSpot CRM platform is ridiculously easy to learn, use, and love, and trust me because I use it every day. That's because HubSpot is handcrafted, sophisticated system designed for the way teams actually work, not a bunch of cobbled together tools that don't speak to each other. With a suite of powerful tools that seamlessly connect to your teams and customizable hubs that you can add or subtract as you grow, it's not almost too easy to use. It's easy to use, period. Learn how HubSpot can help your business grow better at HubSpot.com. Running a business is hard. Managing employees is hard. Getting customers through the door is even harder. But getting paid shouldn't have to be. This is where Stacks Payments is here to help. As an intuitive platform for invoicing, recurring billing, in-person, as well as online payments, Stacks is a one-stop hub to get you paid. What's even better? Stacks has one flat fee for the month instead of percentages you can't understand. Stop spending time tracking down customers or payment tools that fail on you. Set your automations up with Stacks Payments today. As CEO and founder of Stacks and CEO School, it's been my mission to support female leaders, founders, and CEOs. With Stacks, I'm able to do so by providing fast, easy, and affordable way to process payments every day for you. Oh my God. I mean, there's so much to unpack here. First, thank you for telling and sharing your story authentically. And I relate to this so much because I'm Muslim Pakistani. And I think growing up in America, like I always struggled between, there's so much to talk about. Like when you have like another brown woman on the show, like I feel like we could sit here for hours, but there's like when you have this identity crisis of like who you are, you're trying to belong in this world. Your parents are like of like immigrant descent. So you're trying to fight like you're, you're like one foot here, one foot there, and you're, you're actually nowhere. And so there's like this huge identity thing that takes place. At least it did for me. And, um, and you're also like ashamed with like your, um, your white friends and your like American friends of your identity. And it's it's because you're trying to fit in. And I think that's also what's happening for women in business today is we're, you know, we're not leaning into our feminine energy, our the skills that make us successful, our story, our ability to like attract like people and like all the things because we're trying to fit in. And it kind of takes me back to like your story here. And I love that you went with something that was like trendy. That was what you were trying to fit in. You were trying to get your brand for like the LA consumer who wants is health conscious and all. And that makes sense. It's like very like logical. Like you didn't like, it's very logical. And you didn't even think like the whole purpose of the date that only arrived a hundred years ago, which is crazy to me. I thought it was going to be like so, so because date is it's not one of the most like, like the longest foods that are on the planet in the middle east yeah in mesopotamia it's an, it's an old world fruit and it was domesticated thousands of years ago yeah um and it still grows in the wild but this is in more like eastern parts of the world where we come from exactly came here just pretty recently it's so recent so i, yeah. I never knew that so like such mm-hmm. a cool fact mm-hmm. that there's like this new cool fruit for america that's been around for thousands yeah. of decades and it's from like your home and it's so connected to like all the things and you never shared that in your story and I love, it's like my favorite part, is that you pitch the same to the same people, to Shark Tank, four times yeah. without that story and storytelling and showing, like changing that packaging, showing your culture. And now it's like like cool and blue and has like the Moroccan feel and theme. And it's like it's you, right? It authentically is Diana Gerard. 
right? It's authentically what it's like. It, it is an authentic magic date. And that just even in packaging in the story and your story is what landed you that opportunity at Shark Tank. Not the product, the story. It absolutely did. It's not just the product. And that's the thing is like, especially in the food space, because food is so emotional, there's such an opportunity to speak to causes and things you care about outside of the food itself, outside of whatever it is, because it's a relatively low barrier to entry where you can have that kind of conversation that doesn't feel so threatening because food is so universal um, and because it's something that everyone, you know, enjoys. Um, And I love that you talked about the femininity that is. That's incredible because I feel like my entire life and maybe a lot of women who are listening to this podcast, to your show would resonate because of this like CEO sort of like mentality and ideal that we have. It tends to be very masculine. And I think I embodied so many masculine traits for really my entire life up until two years ago, I would say, just being also an older sister, after younger brothers, growing up in the Middle East, there's like the stuff exterior and we just don't listen to our intuition. We don't listen to what it is that's guiding us internally. And yes, there are formulas. And we talked about that earlier about business, um, just rules and like f- foundational fundamental things. But there's also this added layer of intuition that that we have as women that is actually like magic and so powerful and just incredible. I love it. This is this is this is exactly what I want everyone to hear. It's trusting your gut. It's trusting that intuition. It's going for it. It's leaning into the things that make us so uniquely us. It is our most best authentic self. Um, and that is the kind of CEOs that I hope that we get to, I hope my daughters get to be naturally one day. So what happened at Shark Tank? Yes. Well, you're their mama, first of all, so I'm sure they will. <laughs> <laughs> They're cool. Uh, yeah. So Shark Tank was quite a journey. It's something you just dedicate so much um like resources and time and energy and like emotional space for because it's not until you actually see yourself on TV airing on that night that you know that your episode will actually air and everything that could potentially derail us uh, happened like for me up until the point where I thought I was airing in two days and then we actually got rescheduled and we were preempted by a Russia Ukraine special that week this was back in March 2022 and we got pushed three weeks so and then I asked you know, I, I'm still in touch with one of the producers and I asked her, how often does that happen? How often do episodes get rescheduled? She's like, it was only the second time in Shark Tank history, which is 13 years. And so anything can happen, basically. So you just go into it, be open, um, just kind of follow along. They have a process. It's like a machine over there. They're incredibly professional and they do a great job. So you just kind of go along with 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 all the things that you have to do. Um but yeah, like once I was actually in the tank, I was so pre- prepared for like a month prior. I was just practicing my pitch. You really don't know what they're going to ask you because it truly is all live. So the only part that is memorized is those first 90 seconds. That's the pitch that you see everyone making. And then from there, it's completely candid. So you have to just be prepared um, knowing they're going to ask you certain questions and being prepared with whatever resistance they might have to certain things, whatever that might be. And I was, I think I was prepared. Like if you see the segment, I was as ready as possible. And I had a lot of challenging, you know, comments and feedback that came at me, including about the packaging, but ultimately our audience and our customers by and large agree that the new packaging wins. (laughs) So what happened in the episode and who did you end up, who was like the nicest shark or the worst shark or whatever? And did you end up getting a deal? Yes. So I'm biased because I think my favorite shark is the one who gave me a deal. Um, But, but, you know, going into it, I also knew that Kevin O'Leary, who's the person that gave me a deal, 
Um, oh my god, I like- love Kevin. He's my favorite <laughs> shark. Mr. Wonderful is my favorite shark for many different reasons, and everybody hates on him, but I love him. I love him so much. I'll tell you why after. Okay, so you got to deal with Kevin. Yes, yes. I I think he gets hated on unfairly. I know he has this like tough exterior personality, but the thing is, it's just as clear as possible. Like, how easy is it to have yeah. a relationship with someone who's just telling you things as they are? So I just that's how I am as well. So I really appreciate who he is. And he's half Lebanese, and I felt that he would resonate with my story. Um, and, and it did. It totally, totally resonated. Um, in regards to who was the meanest shark, you know, I think you'll have to just watch it. Okay. I don't know what, what – I haven't what, seen it. I wish I saw it before this episode, and I just did not get a chance to do it. I cannot wait to watch this episode. I'm going to link it also in our show notes so we can all watch it. Um, because it is, I, I'm obsessed with Shark Tank. I think a lot of us entrepreneurs are, I've been watching it since like my, like I was actually inspired. A lot of people don't know. I got stuck in a Texas snowstorm. Um, and honestly, the idea of stacks, which was initially fat merchant at the time, it happened because I got stuck and I binge watched like the first season of Shark Tank. So this was like early, early days and it wasn't that great. And my cousin was really, he's like, um, my younger cousin was like, I want to like watch the show because there was like kids on the show that had like created some products and him and I watched it and it was like the first or second season and we binge watched it that week. And I was like doing other things for um, like I was in the payments industry and just serendipitously I was like rerouting my subscription, all of this stuff. Like it wasn't just, it was like the, a lot of inspiration came from seeing other entrepreneurs and um, I love Shark Tank for exactly that. So congratulations. You closed the deal with uh, Mr. Wonderful and you're on to scale. And what's next? So like what happened post Shark Tank? What did it all blow up? Like everyone's buying your product. Tell me all the things. Yeah. So, so, you know, it took a while for us to close our deals. There was a lot of back and forth and just a little bit of lull time in between. So we actually only closed about two months ago, which was like a good six months after we aired. Um, so I always say like things are a little bit TBD right now in terms of um, our, our relationship, but I'm really excited because already just from having signed our agreement, he already brought in a strategic investor. So not only is it Kevin O'Leary, it's someone else as well who's going to just help us with those key relationships that we need for retail distribution because that's really where it's at and where um, the real work you know begins. We did actually have nationwide distribution at Cost Plus World Market in 2020. And I think that should trigger something in your mind. It was during COVID. It was right before COVID. And we actually launched our chocolate covered SKU, which was brand new at the time at Cost Plus World Market. And we were only on the shelf for like six weeks before the entire store and the entire you know chain shut down. And so these are the types of things that just happen that you think you're gaining momentum and then we're taking several steps back. So we're in a way relaunching into retail this, you know, now in this coming year. And there's a lot of good stuff in the works. You know, you might see us at some big box stores pretty soon, some really well-known chains. So these things just take a little bit of time to get, get rolling, but a lot of cool things happening behind the scenes on the retail level. Oh, I'm so excited. And we can always purchase your products online. So we'll be definitely linking it. And Diana, it's just, I love this story so much because of so many different reasons of when you share your story, you're authentically you, like everything actually does change. I feel like that was the moment for me as a founder. When I went from founder to CEO, when my company scaled 10X, the reason why I was able to get to and create a billion dollar business, I do not think it wouldn't have happened if I didn't step into like who I was and I was Sanira Madani, a mother an entrepreneur, a, a child of an immigrant, 
and like oh like a woman that just fucking cares like that like and I was unapologetically me and then when that when that key like when that light flipped on there was like nothing that could that could stop me and um I see that in your story and I'm so happy that you got that opportunity to get that product to like you tried and you tried and you tried and I love that it happened for you when it was in your highest and best time to receive that too because you were aligned with like who you were. Yeah. Yeah. And th- and I appreciate you sharing that because that's inspiring to me and validating because of the success that you've had to really point to these qualities that I think were considered uh, maybe like, you know, softer qualities, but they're actually, you know, they're so powerful. Like femininity is so powerful. And you sharing that I think is just validating for so many entrepreneurs, including myself. I love it. Actually, it's such an interesting point that you said softer. As women, we are deemed as soft versus powerful. Like masculine qualities, I'm just like thinking out loud, right? Like masculine qualities are deemed powerful, but feminine qualities are deemed soft. And that's a, that's even like a, just like in our shift in our language of how we even speak about women versus men. But we're not going to go into to that today. But what's next for you at Magic Date? So you have retail coming up. How can we support you? What do you need from our audience? Um, and what's next? Thank you for asking. Um, you know, I think just, you know, the retail expansion, telling our story in a, in a deeper way, that's always an ongoing an ongoing um, journey, I would say. And just how deep can we get with that story? What new ways can we come up with to really tell that you know story? And just really moving our partnership forward with Keram Foundation. You talked about them earlier. It's a really... Yes! Yeah, it's an important cause to me. It's like it's home. And I finally met Lina Sirji, who the founder, for the first time a couple of weeks ago. We've been you know, just like internet friends, basically for all these years of our partnership. And she is, she's just incredible. So it makes me just so much more excited for our partnership. That is what we were supposed to talk about. We didn't even talk about, we talked about so much and we got derailed and we did not talk about the foundation. Tell us a little bit about Karam Foundation. It is Giving Tuesday. I love when businesses can come together to actually drive impact. Um, so I want to hear about how you guys are supporting this foundation and what does it mean to you? So Karam Foundation started again, like these beautiful grassroots efforts, it was not what it is today. So the Syrian civil war, as many people may know, started in 2012. Kenna Foundation was founded a few years prior to that. And it was just in Lina's community where she she wanted to, she was hosting a lot of dinners and a lot of family parties. And she said, I wonder if we can make these more impactful. And so she started raising money during these family and friend gatherings, in essence, just for her community and for like causes that was agreed upon, you know, beforehand. And then as a civil war started and, of course, the destruction and, you know, damage that we see occurred, um, she shifted focus and made it more about supporting the youth and just anybody impacted by the Syrian civil war. And she's been just doing this for over 10 years now. And back in 2018, I'd reached out to them and said, hey, there's a lot of alignment here. I'm half Syrian. I grew up in Syria and Damascus. I was there for my entire childhood. I'd love to support you. I mean, we were so small. We're still theoretically and like relatively speaking small, but I just wanted to make that commitment from so early on because that was always my intention is just to make this bigger than just the food product and to give back and and tell that story and really share about refugees and who they are and just like the dignity that they have um, outside of magic dates and our product. And so I was just so grateful that they agreed to that. And, you know, we committed a percentage of our profits to them and they have all these beautiful events throughout the year. One of them coming up December 5th, all these fundraisers and we always, you know, contribute product. So that's where we're at with them right now. And like you said, Keram means generosity and they're just through and through doing work on the, you know, on the grounds. They have this beautiful um, 
building called Kerem House in South Turkey, where a huge uh, Syrian refugee population currently lives. And they actually have the Center for Youth. It's an after-school program where they can help them develop their just um, ideas and, and just their future and like help them build their futures of like what it is that they desire from their from their life. And it's all about building the youth because they're the leaders of our you know coming generations. And that's that's Kedam's intention right now. Oh my God. My heart is so full and I know every single woman listening here today, every single um, person listening here today probably has the same goosebumps as I as I do. And it is it is this is what women do. Like if you look at the businesses that women create, like not like literally it's it doesn't have to be for impact. You can create a business to create a profit and that's okay too. But almost every business, every single CEO that I have brought on to the show shares whether it in in some capacity is driving this they really really care and they care so much and that's what has made them successful and Diana I'm so excited to follow your journey your path in entrepreneurship as a friend as a fellow CEO and our whole audience is here to support you root you on so I'm going to link everything into the show notes congratulations and all the success Please tell Mr. Wonderful that he is my favorite, by the way. So he is my tell favorite. Why. You said you're going to tell us why. Oh, why? Okay. I think that he has actually like hilariously self-deprecating. And so you could see right through that, that he's actually not an asshole. So I actually, I actually think that's like one of the reasons why I just love it. I, th- I like that he's consistent. So I like people that are consistent and like how they show up, what they say. So you can always expect a royalty deal from Mr. Wonderful, right? Because it's just expected. Two, I actually think that he's smart in the way that even with his deal structures, he always thinks about, like he thinks about the, he's never like, um, like other sharks are, sometimes I feel opportunistic or have a lot of group think. Uh, so I feel like he's individual, like he thinks for himself and doesn't have a group think mentality. And then I do like the way he thinks about, um, like he's not greedy with the entrepreneur and people assume that the royalty part of it is more greed, but I actually think it's the opposite because equity is what costs you the most in the long run. It's not paying back the investment. And so the royalty is just a way to, you know, it's like, let's say it's a hundred thousand dollar deal and he takes a quarter off of your product for however long it takes for the royalty. Um, sure, there that's like limiting in funds, but as an investor, he's probably already finding you that capital. Like you can't doubt that there's already the capital that he needs to fulfill that investment anyway. So, so that quarter that you're paying back, like it's cheaper for you to pay that quarter than to have 25 more percent in equity that another shark is gonna take. So I do love that for like number three. And then lastly, no, there we've got two more reasons on why I love this whole episode now is gonna Carlos. Episode two from this is why I love Mr. Wonderful. Um, but I'm making notes by the way, because I'm going to tell him all this. Yeah, okay. So number two, what I love about him is that he actually is the only shark that says that his female founded investments, he's actually a big supporter of female founders. And so CEO school. Um, is all female founders. This is, I didn't go to CEO school. I built a billion dollar business, but I had no experience or the confidence or the knowledge and all the things that I needed to do it, but we did it, right? And we do it through all the ways that you talked about. But Mr. Wonderful is the only person that I have seen on Shark Tank that says that their investments from on in, in his portfolio for female investors return a higher return on investment than the male counterparts. And that is absolutely true. So even in the unicorn space, so I built a company um, that's over, you know, 
hundred million in revenue. We're doing, we have like, we just were valued this year in March at the same time um, as a unicorn. But if less than 2% of venture capital goes to female founded companies, right? Less than 2%, 1.7 in 2021. Yet 12% of the unicorns that are made are women entrepreneurs. So if you think about that statistic, like what that tells you is that we literally have no, cap. we're fighting for nothing. But when we are given, like the companies that we create, we're still 12 times more likely, like, or we're, we're, that's not the right math, but 12%. Six to seven. Yeah. Six to seven. More times more likely, right? To have, to be a unicorn with that, like the, the nothingness of the peanuts that were given. So Mr. Wonderful is one to say that about female founders, that his female founder investments go further. And then the final reason why I love Mr. Wonderful is because he loves wine, okay? <laughs> and um, you don't know me, Diana, but literally on what, like our, we have Mondays are the interviews and Wednesdays are wine down Wednesday. Wine is my life, okay? And not in a sense of like, it's just my, it's my thing. It's like my thing. And it's a lot of people's things, but it really is something that I love. And uh, I hope one day to, like my next company is, a wine subscription company. So we should just we should just have Mr. Wonderful on the show like right after this. Um and uh, I hope the three of us can have a glass of wine together. Yes. And you can just You are making that happen. We are putting that down. We're definitely having a glass of wine. But that's one of the reasons why I love him because he is a big wine lover and he thinks about the wine industry in like the future way. And so I've got some ideas on how I'm thinking about single serve wine and he's invested in a couple of single serve things and um that's my final reason. See, it's authentic on why Mr. Wonderful is my favorite shark. So there you go. You're just, I mean, you're just riffing right now, like yeah. in real time. So this was incredible. I noted it because I think he'd love to hear all this. <laughs> we'll we'll send it to him. So Mr. Wonderful, we'd love to have you on the show. Congratulations on investing in such a profound and incredibly amazing CEO that is going to be the next unicorn in your portfolio, Miss Diana Gerard. Diana, thank you so much for being on the show today. We uh, can't wait to connect on all the things. I hope our audience, I know our audience enjoyed today's amazing episode. We are at the end of our um, our year. There's so much to reflect upon and just such a great reminder also for giving back and doing things with impact, sharing your story. And so I, I'm leaving so inspired today, Diana. I know our audience is as well. And we will see you next week at CEO School. Running a business is hard. Managing employees is hard. Getting customers through the door is even harder. But getting paid shouldn't have to be. This is where Stacks Payments is here to help. As an intuitive platform for invoicing, recurring billing, in-person, as well as online payments, Stacks is a one-stop hub to get you paid. What's even better? Stacks has one flat fee for the month instead of percentages you can't understand. Stop spending time tracking down customers or payment tools that fail on you. Set your automations up with Stacks Payments today. As CEO and founder of Stacks and CEO School, it's been my mission to support female leaders, founders, and CEOs. With Stacks, I'm able to do so by providing fast, easy, and affordable way to process payments every day for you. Thank you for tuning into today's show. If you loved it, leave us a review. We are so proud to bring you authentic conversations, game changer expert guests, and valuable content on and offline. The best compliment you can give us is by screenshotting today's show and tagging us on Instagram at CEO School and at Sanira Madani. 
We are obsessed with swag, so don't be surprised if we want to send you some. Thanks for tuning into class today. And remember, nothing bad happens when women make more money.